ends of the heavens of the earth which were created in the day that the Lord made the, he- the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. And there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Talk about a sprinkler system, huh? And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and the breath, the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou may eat freely, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in that day thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. Go to chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of, eat of every tree of the garden. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat it, neither shall ye touch it. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. I want to preach to you here this morning, distractions in the garden. Distractions in the garden. Let's lift our hands just one more time and ask God to talk to us today. Lord, we need your help today. Let our minds be clear, our hearts clear. God, we open ourselves to you and your word today. Speak to us today. I take authority over every spirit of doubt and unbelief, every distraction that would even be in this building today. And let your word go forth with a clarity, a revelation, an understanding, but a thought-provoking moment, a convicting moment that we would understand that, God, you are for us in this end-time hour. I pray in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. I've noticed in my short time of travels and different churches uh, being associated with, being in, preaching to, some of great fervency, some very weary and tired, every different personality would maybe be there. But even in the personality types, if you would allow me to speak of them that way, there is a deeper war going on within them. It's not association of denominational titles or stationary or signs by the road or... Again, personality, everyone's different. And I thank God for the uniqueness of all and many diversities. I I thank the Lord for that. But there is a deeper um, attack, war, against the minds of these assemblies, establishments, the people that have proclaimed that they are following a God that they cannot see. But yet they know by faith He's real. The attack is against what we would call their God consciousness. Their ability to even perceive that God is there. And that God's in the midst of where they are. Is there anybody other than just me that when you're in the midst of one of the most heated battles of emotional frenzy in life, The thought that comes to you and I is is God is a million miles away and I can't feel Him if I try. I reach for Him. I try to find Him. I try to grab a hold to Him. But yet, it's like my God consciousness that He created me in His image. I'm made like Him. 
With, with that comes a God consciousness and awareness that every man has. It doesn't matter if you're in the deep jungles of Africa. You've got a God consciousness because you were created in the image of God. But what I find now, and especially in this, what we call the end time hour, because signs are so evident that the coming of the Lord is close. I find that that God consciousness now has begun to wane. That God consciousness now is not as sharp as it used to be. You say, that's the spiritual, let's bring it to the natural. Outside of Brother Marvin Baggett, I doubt at 90 years old, you ain't going to be that sharp. Most people, when you get to about 70 or 80, there's some faculties that begin to kind of fail in the mind. I'm not saying you're crazy, don't get all offended. It just don't work like it used to. And where you used to be sharp, now you are a little bit more dull, huh, Brother Smith? Oh, just wait. I ain't got on Brother Jackson today. I ain't done. (laughs) I'm not as sharp as I used to be. I even find that in my younger age. I'm not as sharp as I used to be in my mind. That's physically. But it does not have to be that way spiritually. Where you may be struggling physically in your old body, in your mind. You don't have to succumb to a dulling of the God consciousness in your mind. You can stay as sharp as you want to be. You say, well, what is your point, Benoit? Here's my point. We've got distractions that are coming against us from every angle, against every family, every woman, child, and husband. And if we lose our God consciousness, the awareness that God is for us, you and I are going to be most miserable. But if I can raise my awareness that God is real and God knows where I am, then I can make it through any trouble and any dilemma. God consciousness is what's at battle. Or it's it's what's up for stake. Because if the enemy can distract you, he in essence has made your dullness to the awareness of God. Are you dull to the awareness that God is there? That's what happens many times in a service. Our minds are not here. Some are. Some don't have any mind. But your mind is bombarded even in the service right now. And as time goes on, we call it our attention span is getting shorter and shorter. They came up with now a scientific term called ADD. When I was eight or ten, I got whip, whip, whip. You're going to focus... Uh, I got about an inch long white leather belt that's going to tan your backside. It's an attack against our minds because he understands if I can mess up the unity and their relationship with God, then in essence the enemy has won. So now with that laid, let's go to the garden. The garden was perfect. It was God's created environment and place that he made for him and man. He didn't make it for anything else. He didn't make it for the cows. I'm sorry. They got to benefit from the good grass. But he didn't make it for the cows. He made that garden that he could come down in the coolness of the day and walk with his prized possession called man. That was the purpose of the garden. It wasn't for fancy flowers or the horticulturists to come in and make a great herb garden, herb garden. The garden was God's meeting place with man. It was his place, Brother Butch. And he said, okay, boy, at this time of the day, I will meet you there. 
and I will come. And there, there's no sin. There's no evil. There's no darkness. It was a perfect world in utopia. For all of those that say, if Jesus is here, then I would live for him. If I could see him in the flesh, I would live for him. This debunks that thought. Because it was perfect and Adam still had God in the coolness of the day tangibly and still got distracted from the relationship. Well, if my world was perfect, then I could serve God better. If I had Jesus in the flesh, I could serve him better. If an angel came to me, I could serve him better. Oh, you turkey. That's a cop out. But if I had this, then it would be better. Adam had it perfect. If my world was perfect, if my daddy wouldn't have beat me, if my uncle wouldn't have molested me, if my mama wouldn't have cussed me out, Maybe we needed to go eat Memorial Day lunch right away. And we look at everything that's happened that's gone wrong. It didn't make sense. People that let us down. See, this is the book of beginnings. Before I can preach Jesus, we got to get this part down, the God consciousness. Because if we don't have a God consciousness, I can preach Jesus till I'm blue in the face and every denomination under the sun. And there'll never be a transformation. There'll never be that old time convicting power, Brother Wade. It'll be another preacher just saying another sermon on another Sunday morning service. God, I feel strongly. He's trying to visit us again in this end time hour. He's reaching for people and trying to shake that God consciousness that has been so easily distracted by the things of the world and life and the hurts and the disappointments and the letdowns of whoever it may be. If Adam had it perfect, what makes you and I Think that if everything was perfect, we could live for God. Life will never be perfect. Your living for God will never be easy. Oh, I just messed up somebody's theology. I thought when I got the Holy Ghost, everything got better. No. When you got the Holy Ghost, you just added somebody that's stronger than you to help you get out of the the dilemma and the crisis and the valleys that you walk through. That's why I ever wonder why would you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You're not that strong. You're not that smart. You're not that able. You don't have to go through another divorce and another marital problem. Just let the Holy Ghost live in you and through you and God will help you through your problem. We sing about it. He's a problem solver. But yet we still keep trying to figure it out. We still try to ask Dr. Phil if he can help us. Or we'll go to the American press and read the horoscope. Maybe I can get a word in the horoscopes. If that's still there, I don't get the American press. But back in the day, it was there. Because I read them. None of y'all want to get honest, so I guess the preacher would be the only one going to get honest. I read them. Why? Because I wasn't living for God. And I needed to know just a little bit. Maybe I could find a little bit of direction for my life. So I'm going to consult with something that don't have a clue of where I am. I'm trying to tell somebody here today, God put in you a God consciousness. And if you'll take that God consciousness, that awareness that there is a God, and turn it towards Him, God will reach down and create a garden experience that He'll walk with you when you don't know what to do. He'll answer you when you don't have an answer in the problems you're facing. Now, if you were a good devil, don't nudge your wife. But if you were a good devil, where would you try to mess up God's prized possession? Relationship. 
if I can get you distracted against God or away from God, get so busy that we forget what it's all about. We can get so busy in a church service that we forget what it's all about. Get so busy planning for songs and planning for a message and planning to talk, planning to come, planning and planning, and yet we miss. What's the purpose in it all, Brother Smith? I'm here to have an encounter with him. Church becomes my proverbial garden or I can find Him. I'm not saying it's the only place you can find God. You can find Him on Monday, Tuesday. But when you don't have the collective part of the body and the importance of connecting to the body, that's why it's important that you and I stay connected to the body. That whatever the body does, you and I stay connected to it. But when you can't get here on Sunday, you can create a garden through your worship. And God... I'm not preaching to you some pop psychology. God consciousness... I'm trying to help you understand that within every man, woman, and child, there's an awareness in you that there is a greater power. And that greater power is God Almighty. And for the New Testament believers, that greater power manifested himself in the flesh, went to a cross, shed blood, was buried and died, and rose again on the third day. Why? That you and I would have an understanding that there's no weapon that could ever be formed that could destroy you. That if he conquered the cross... And he beat people's rejection. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was despised. Jesus was hated of all men. And if he could beat it. You say, well, I'm not Jesus. That's not fair. I'm glad you made that statement because I got an answer for that. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. There ain't three gods, there's one. Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. And he didn't finish with that. He said, I'm going to send the comforter in my name, which was the Holy Ghost. So now I ask you, did you get the Holy Ghost or did you get Jesus? Which one? If we're talking about two, then we're schizophrenic. But if you understand there's one God, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And Jesus was the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the burning bush, the rose of Sharon, the Alpha, the Omega, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. He was all 1,300 titles in one. That when you say Jesus, you now just said the Almighty has now manifested himself. So when you get the Holy Ghost, you didn't just get the Holy Ghost. You got Jesus now living in you, the comforter, the hope of glory. Let's get to the garden. I can tell myself wanting to go down. Old gospel preaching. The garden. God said... I'm going to create this place. He said, but in this garden, it's going to be a unique garden. Ain't got no cucumbers or tomatoes. It had two trees. The tree of good and evil and the tree of life. And God said, I'm putting both these trees here in this garden, this perfect world, but yet I'm going to put something in here that's going to force you to choose. I'm going to put some... God, you're some sick thing. Why would you put it there and tell me I can't touch it? Why would you put the tree of good and evil and make me look at it, but yet say I can't eat of it? I don't understand how God would put something there. But yet, why? I'll tell you why. Because from the book of beginnings, before you could ever be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you got to make a choice that you want it. 
And I can preach Holy Ghost and preach God will pull you out of your valley and preach that God will do signs. Do I believe God will open blinded eyes? Yeah. Do I believe God will heal a deaf ear? Yeah. Do I believe God will heal a immunity? Yeah. Do I believe God could put in you a brand new hip? Yeah. Do I believe God could put in you brand new lungs? Yes. But before I tell you that, you got to make a choice to let him. Because I can preach it. And believe it and stand on my head. But until you go back to the beginnings and learn the fundamental principle. How God operates. A garden, perfect. But yet he put two trees and forced man to choose. Do you want it my way? Or do you want it your way? And every church service you and I come to, every service we come to on Wednesday, every service we come to on a Monday night prayer, every time we come to men's prayer on on Sunday mornings, God is saying to you and I, I'm always going to allow two trees there because I need to know I've got a creation that serves me because it loves me, not because it'll fix all my problems. We have adopted now in our Millennial generation. Thank God for our younger people. But we have adopted a mindset now in them. Promoted, propagated. The mindset now. That you come to God because He will pay your electricity bill. He'll fix your marriage. And do I believe all of that? Yeah. But we can't negate what starts the process. A choice. A choice. Adam got the commandment and said, Don't eat of the tree of good and evil. Now this ain't part of my message, but I'm going to still say it because it preaches good. What was that tree of good and evil all about? Why would God tell them no? Because if they ate of that tree, watch me. How did I start this message? God consciousness, right? If they ate of the tree of good and evil, a conscience would wake up now in humanity that would cause a war against their God consciousness. You understand? That's why he said, I don't want you to eat it because if you do, what I put in you will start warring. You wonder why we battle with alcoholism. You wonder why we battle with adultery. You wonder why we battle with pornography. You wonder why we battle with smoking and drinking and cussing and running around. You wonder why we battle? Because the man consciousness in rebellion woke up. And now from that day to now, there's a war between the God consciousness and your individual consciousness. So God said, 4,000 years later, I'm going to have to come and fix the problem. So he came, he robed himself in flesh because the spirit, if he's God the Father, like many propagate God the Father, it's part of a trinity. It says without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption. There's no remission. You show me anywhere in scripture where the father ever died. God the father is absolutely impossible in scripture. Because a spirit has no blood and it can't bleed. And the only way remission can come to you and I is something has to die. I done got that old spirit stirred up right here. I wish I had a couple prayer wars to kind of stay real close to me right now. Because you can't see it, but you ought to see what I'm seeing in this house. I'm seeing colored balloons over some of your heads. You've been so mixed up in your head trying to figure out what in the world and where God is. God's trying to get an answer to you right now because he's for you. He's trying to help you. But the enemy's done made you believe a lie that it'll never work out. It's going to be... And he robed himself in flesh. Jesus in flesh had to shed blood. Now go back. So when they ate, he told them don't eat of that tree because it's good and evil. 
their conscience now will wake up. But here's what he was saying in a deeper meaning, Brother Butch, is when the enemy came and tempted Eve, he said, eat. For when you do, can anybody finish it? You will become like God's. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. Now, keep in mind, I'm still speaking 2019. He said, if you eat of this tree, you become like a God. You now become, Rachel, the deciding factor of what's right and what's wrong. And the enemy uses your awakened consciousness now of I don't have to do it this way. I don't have to do it God's way. And ever since they ate of the tree, it gave man an independence of I can determine myself what's right and what's wrong. Now let's look at 2019. Don't tell me that if my family... Don't tell me that that abortion's wrong. Y'all with me this morning? Don't tell me abortion's wrong. Now North America's become its own God. Supreme Court, Granquist, bless her ever-loving heart. I'm just kidding. Whatever it is, Granquist, you know what I'm talking about. She's as old as Methuselah. But see, they propagated... We now are gods. Don't tell us abortion's wrong. Don't tell me euthanasia's wrong. Don't. You may tell you where that road's going in this end time. How's it going to end up? Don't tell me what's right and what defines a family. Right? And if we keep going down, history doesn't show what it is. If we keep going down the road before long, here's what's going to happen. It's okay for a 70-year-old man to have relations with a six-year-old girl. That's okay. Don't tell me what's right and wrong. I'll do whatever I want to do because I'm my own God. We've deviated from just pure, absolute, strict obedience just just to the Word of God that says, God, I'm not going to argue your Word. If your Word says i got to live it, then God, I don't have to do it, but I choose to do it. choice and he put it in that garden that man would choose now watch and here's what happened two trees God says don't eat of the one of good and evil the enemy now comes in the garden I don't know about you maybe that's just an old antiquated Bible story But here's what it told me. That when I'm in communion with God and I'm in proximity with God and I'm in relationship with God and I'm talking to God, there will always be a distraction. There will always be something that's going to cause you and I to catch, catch our attention and draw us Another way. Folks, we are so inundated with pleasure that we're intoxicated with it. If it feels good, then let's do it. If it feels right, then let's do it. We've eaten of a fruit that we should have never eaten of. And we're left now with broken homes, broken families, broken lives. Because the distractions have come. In the midst. Here's the answer, Brother Terry Bush. Now, we can be in the middle of a service and enjoying the great things of God and we leave a service like this right now and immediately go somewhere and distract it. I've been in services where they literally have been in service and, and the power of God moved. They've been in the altar and as soon as service is over, they're committing fornication in the back seat of a car. perplexed me. How can you be in his presence and leave and go do that? Here's how. There will always be a distraction to pull you away from your experience with God. Doesn't matter how holy you get. Doesn't matter how spiritual you get. Doesn't matter how much you talk in tongues. You and I just got to realize there's always going to be a distraction. There's always going to be two trees. There's always going to be things that are going to try to pull me away. And in this end time hour, in this last time generation, there's always going to be even greater. You get together with a family, what's the first thing everybody does? Gets on their phone. 
Uh oh, just hit the sacred cow. Go see grandma. Grandma's lying there on, on her last breath. And we're going to get on the phone and not spend time with grandma. Oh, y'all don't want this kind of preaching. Y'all rather that lovely, gobby, soppy stuff. If we ever going to see an apostolic revival, we've got to come back and say, okay, God, I don't need a distraction. I've got my heart fixed on you, oh, Lord. I'm going to be guided by the moving of your eye. I ain't going nowhere, God. I'm going to praise you. That's hard, though. We get together as family. We're so distracted. Whatever happened in the day. Trust me, there's a lot of things I don't want to go back to. But there are some things I do want to go back to. They used to all get together at my grandma's house. They weren't in church. This was my mom and mama's mom and daddy. But I can remember, just as a boy, Sunday afternoons, they weren't at the football game. They weren't watching the football game. They all got together as a family. And they passed coffee around. And they drank coffee and visited. You see how the distractions now have got us all torn in 50 million directions. Am I saying any of this stuff is inherently wrong? No. Here's what I'm saying. If it takes you away from God, it's absolutely sin. You be the judge. If reading Reader's Digest separates you from God, then you need to put Reader's Digest up. If Paul Harvey messes your day up, quit listening to him. Some of you don't even know who Paul is. Let me tell you what, there's a gospel according to Paul. That's all I'm going to say. I love Paul Harvey. God bring him back. I'm letting out my age now. I thought I was a young pup. I remember listening to him and his stories that were so moving. I tell you what it did. He might not have had the gospel maybe right, Brother Wade, but he called, it caused me to look at some valuable things. Family. Look at things that I, I maybe, again, it wasn't gospel preaching, I get it. It wasn't a, a thus saith the Lord, but there was principles there that had an underlying current of godliness. See, but we, we've gotten so far now. Now it's a gospel according to Rush. Sorry. Whatever Rush says, that's what it is. I don't even listen to Rush. So I don't know what he's saying. He could be great. He could be bad. I don't have a clue. He just, I know, is some of some people's heroes. Dad, <laughs> talking about you. <laughs> I can do that. I can call him out plain and simple. <laughs> Distractions. You say, well, what's that got to do with today? This is the book of beginnings. The enemy's tactics hasn't changed. It's the same. Oh, here's the better one. Here's, you think it didn't run through Eve's mind? God said, through Adam, her husband, divine order. Just a little plug there. Thank you for that amen. Because if I don't get an amen, I'll stay there a little bit longer. Divine order. Adam got the command. It was his job to teach her. It's not her job. He was the head of that home. But now watch. Because Adam wasn't in his place and all this good stuff. Watch what happens. Eve goes to a tree that she never was supposed to be at because of a distraction pulled her even stronger to it. Now watch. You don't think it ran through Eve's mind? I'm going to help somebody right here. If, you, if you'll just listen. Listen to the scriptural principle. The enemy, when he came to Eve, he presented it to her. Look at all this that you can't have and look at what you don't get to have. One thing you can't have, but he focused on all the other things she could have. Now watch I find many people that come and try to live for God. One of the biggest battles, Brother Butch, they fight is, look at what God's making me do. 
Many people don't live for God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength because of the distraction. They've bought into the distraction of the enemy. And here's the rest of his distraction. God's holding out on you. You're not living life to the fullest unless you buy into this. And many people look at living for God. I can't live for him because if I live for God, I can't keep going to... If I, if I live for God, Brother Keith, then I'm not going to be able to keep doing what I've been doing. I'm going to have to quit acting like I act. I'm going to have to quit doing what I'm doing. I'm going to have to quit going out in a two-piece bikini. Oh, I told you, y'all, so, well, I'm telling y'all, y'all going to mess with me this morning doesn't make me all mad. This is the world's mindset. And we wonder why people don't live for God because of a choice that they've gotten distracted by. And they get this mindset. Well, look at what I got to give up to live for God. I got to give up my Michelob, whatever. That ain't you, Brother Mike, but it fit. I got to give up my Restrictions. And the enemy does a great job at making us look at what we are having to separate ourselves from. I'll never forget, Brother Wade, when I was torn so conflicted about living for God. I knew always I wanted to be Pentecostal, but I just didn't have the guts to do it. I'll be honest. I lived in the world. You're going to have to start teaching Sunday school or something. <laughs> Get up on out of here, girl. I just live for the world. And I just didn't want to make the choice. I didn't. But I knew in the back of my mind that when I'd come to that Pentecostal church and I sat on that back row, something would move, man. I felt it. I was convicted. It wasn't because the preacher was fancy. It just, there was a spirit of conviction. We're missing a spirit of conviction. How do you get that? I'll tell you how you get it. You and I believe and live for God with everything we got as saints has been delivered from the things of the world. And I promise you, conviction will move in because the world people come and will see, hey, he's believing it because he wants to, not because he has to. That's what brings conviction with the word. And I said, I knew that's what I wanted. It was hard because my choice. I didn't want to give up. And I thought to myself, here's my biggest battle, brother. Wade, I won't have no friends. Because I didn't know nobody in church. Going to Eastwood, Brother Ewans, Brother Clifton, I didn't know nobody. I knew she was there, and she's Pentecostal, and I knew she wasn't going to give me the time of day if I wasn't Pentecostal. So I had a little incentive. <laughs> I had to get the Holy Ghost to get her, and I knew that. <laughs> but still, I was afraid. I didn't have no friends. My whole world, I knew, would change. And that's a fearful place. Because that means the buddies I ran with, I had a roommate that was not a good influence. And we lived together. Going to Magnesia. But I'll never forget the night. Sitting on that back row. Brother Charlie, I got to shaking back there. I was under so much conviction. I wanted to go to that front. Oh, I wanted to go. I wanted that Holy Ghost because I knew I'd gotten myself in a pickle. Brother Terry Bush, there so many times I got myself in a pickle with mistakes I made that I knew if I didn't get a hold of this quick, I was going to end up somewhere. An old prophet came to my mom and my daddy years later after I got to church and that old prophet said, you had two boys. He said, one of them, you like to nearly lost and he never came back. It was me. But Brother Charlie, I got to shaking back there. And before long, see, this is why I said in the beginning, don't minimize the power of the body. Her brother, unbeknowing that it was her brother, I'm glad he came and got me. He came back there and he put his arm around me. And all he said was, Scott, 
would you like to go pray? It was all I needed, Brother Keith, to make a choice. You wonder why many times I get in people's reach over, grab the hand to the person next to you. Why? Because fear's got some of you so bound. What's people going to think? Well, they've been... All y'all can. So it's a natural thought. What they going to think about me? Brother Wade knows my past. He knows what I've done. He knows my mistakes. So now he's going to think bad of me so I don't move. He got me and brought me to that front. And all I can tell you is this. And when I got to that front, I was so bound by... What messed up the garden? What messed up the perfect world? Sin. A choice they made that brought sin. So if I need to get rid of sin, I need to make an opposite choice and obey God's word. And when the power of God hit me in that altar, you were there. Come here, Keegan. Now you all dudded up today. So this ain't going to work. So I ain't going to mess you up. I got over here in the front of the altar, Brother Bushnell. See, I was hungry, but I was bound. You're bound and you don't even know it, but you're hungry. That's okay. But if somebody comes pray with you, let the Holy Ghost work. Let the choice be completed. I'm not going to be distracted in this end time hour. Folks, the Bible says this, for scarcely a righteous man will make it in the end time. Now, I'm going to move through this congregation. I'm being very careful. But in my opinion, there's only a few people I would declare as just, that's just, a, I mean, just absolutely no questions. I would declare them a righteous man. If scarcely a righteous one's going to make it in the end time, what do you think those that are half-heartedly trying to do it? Folks, the preaching that I feel so burning in my belly is preaching we've got to have for this end time that the comfortable are afflicted, but the afflicted are comforted. Something's got to shake in our spirit to realize, Brother Wade, I got a family counting on me. I can't be distracted. I, I cannot become intoxicated by the pleasures of the world. I've got to make sure that my family makes it because God's coming soon and I might not have another day. And when the power of God, that preacher came, when that preacher put his hand on my head, whack, something hit me. I can't explain it. I got to bucking and throwing. Y'all see my boy the other night? We're up here like a wild Comanche. Brother Jeff, you saw him. That's what happened to me. I didn't control that. I didn't make that happen. You know what they tell me? That people in the hospital, musicians, y'all come. Hurry up because I'm going to preach another hour. Hurry. Y'all quick, 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 quick. Seriously. They tell me in a hospital, I've had two blood transfusions. Oh, more than that, four, six, four, something. This is what they said. Doctors, medically proven. And some people need a blood transfusion. Doctors have witnessed this. That when that new blood hits that body, that body jerks. When a man repents of his sins and asks God to forgive him of his sins, let me tell you what starts happening. The blood of Jesus starts coming. If there ain't a little bit of something moving on the inside of you, your repentance ain't real. 
power of God hit me. You ain't got to do it like me. But when it hit me, that preacher touched me. Something came over my body. It was complete surrender. I got to move. I lost complete control. And all I could find was my brother-in-law's necktie. I ain't going to do it, but boy, I want to. I had that old necktie, and I'm shouting, and his old head's going. I wish some of you would get by a backslider in the altar and let little bit of what's on them get on you. Stand with me. My brother-in-law got the Holy Ghost whether he wanted it or not. right now your mind immediately went to what you got to do as soon as this service is over let's hurry up and oh God he's fixing to do the altar call oh God it's 10 to 11 that long winded preacher I done heard him say 30 minutes is too long for a sermon you need to hear the Holy Ghost is moving, we're going to go as long as the Holy Ghost is moving. When the Holy Ghost is done, we'll stop. I'm not so arrogant with my preaching that I like to hear myself speak. I'm reaching for somebody and I'm taking every minute I got to try to shake somebody to realize God is for you. Oh, I wish I had some intercessors right now that would help me intercede right now I wish I had some intercessors right now that would let tears begin to fall establish saints intercede because there's people here today they need the Holy Ghost they need to know that God's calling them to walk in a garden experience of relationship that they've never had before that maybe it was robbed because of people and the hurts of yesterday and because people let you down and your husband hurt you, your wife hurt you, your ex-wife hurt you, your ex-husband hurt you. You were hurt. Folks, we've all been hurt. But I can't let that stop me from my relationship with God. I can't let the hurt of people, the disappointments of yesterday, stop me from walking with Him. Grab the hand to the person next to you. And I want us all to come together as a family. Come on, grab their hand. Come on, together. Let's come together. Let's come together. Come on, it's hard to come by yourself. Grab their hand. Say, come on. We're going to come together. Come on, if you physically can't, just come and sit. Come sit on the front pew. Just make a step. Don't let the distractions of the garden... It was meant for you to have relationship, not for you to lose out with God. He let the tree be there that you would make a choice to serve Him because you want to. Lift your hands all across this building this morning. Come on, pray for your neighbor right now. Pray for your neighbor right now. Come on, pray for that hand that you're holding. falls on ground that the thorns choke out then it falls on ground that the ravens and birds of prey steal the Bible says if that seed fall on good ground it brings forth not just tenfold a hundredfold so the importance of the seed falling on the right ground is critical for some mom or some dad maybe you didn't do it right raising your kids Maybe you made a lot of mistakes and word is seed. Maybe you sowed more negative seed than good seed. You're looking at your past and saying, man, I made some mistakes with my kids. Lord gave me a little, I call it a little revelation to that. 
Because if you read a little further, there was a boy that came with bread. And God took that bread, broke it, and fed 5,000. He multiplied the word, the good, right? I know this is a little tedious. Hopefully you stay with me. Here's what I begin to pray. God, even though I only sowed a little bit of good seed, Brother Mark, in my kids, just a little bit. Well, I've got hope in the scripture that he just had a small loaf and he fed 5,000. So here was my prayer. God, take the good seed I did right as a parent. Bless it and multiply it. Now watch. Here's the hope for one that made mistakes. God, if you created everything and you're in control of everything, I want you to make the ravens that are under your bidding to go to that heart and steal that negative seed that I did by mistake. I'm trying to give somebody hope for yesterday. You made mistakes. You, you said things to your kids that you regret and you sowed negative seed. If God who created everything, why couldn't he send a raven to come and, and take that negative seed out and bless the good seed and give them a great harvest of living? I'm telling you, God's ready to reverse a process in Indian village that's happened for years. But you got to believe that God can do the impossible. And if you can believe that, God will do it. Lift your hands one more time. Father, I thank you for your people. Thank you for the anointing that's in this house. Thank you for the hearts that are touched. I plead your blood over the seed that was planted in the hearts of people. And God, I'm asking you to break it today and multiply it in Jesus' name in the hearts of your people. And I plead your blood over it that the ravens could not come and the hardnesses of the heart could be softened. And let your will be done, I pray in Jesus' name. Indian Village, I want you to find a visitor. There's visitors all through here. Some are not even visitors anymore. They're home folk. Grab their hands. Shake their hand. Welcome them to the house of God. Tell them you're glad to see them. Turn to somebody that's a visitor. Find them. Tell them you'll never go anywhere and be more welcome and appreciated than you are in Indian Village Pentecostal Church. Come on, shake their hand. Find somebody. Find somebody. Find somebody. Tell them you love them. You appreciate them.